You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the SBC podcast feed. And I got a little something special for you today. Yesterday, I did a live stream for Bounding Into Comics with Eric July, the founder of the Ripperverse. As you'll hear in the show, I've known Eric for probably close to a decade now. Uh, I first talked to him in our uh, political podcasting days in the, the deep, dark recesses of the libertarian podcasting space. So we've known each other for a long time. So it was a blast catching up with him, finding about how he really went about starting the Ripperverse and really talking about the greater concepts surrounding the future of indie media. My friends, enjoy this live stream and follow Bounding Into Comics. Subscribe to the YouTube. I'll be doing more live streams over there and I do a bunch of commentary there as well. So be sure to go over to YouTube, look up Bounding Into Comics, click that subscribe button, and I'll see you there. And if you don't like The rising future of indie media, hosted by Mark Clare. How about that rocking uh, custom intro? That man, was, that, that was, was kick-ass. That was, was special. That was ba- special. Bounding better I, be I careful. Love... You don't go stealing cider away, man. That ah, was, man, was... I'll try not to, <laughs> that man. Was you might need to work, work for us, though, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> but uh, I am here. This is actually my first live stream I'm hosting here for Bounding Into Comics. Uh, but it's not the first time I've spoken to my guests oh, today no. here. We go way back. <laughs> we go back a little ways, you could say, uh, from a very different world. Uh, yeah. I guess you could say the the dark, dark corners of the, uh, the libertarian podcasting space. So <laughs> we've done this before. But it's it's funny because when we first chatted, it's got to be almost ten years ago by now. Oh, at least, um, at least, yeah, back in the day. And uh, it's it's funny because back then, I don't think I even knew you were a comic book guy yeah, because we never that, talked about that. Exactly, we never, you, yeah. you weren't talking about that stuff. I wasn't talking yeah. about that stuff. It was just sort of a personal hobby that I didn't share with anybody essentially i was still kind of uh, in, in the closet i guess you could say when it came to my, my fanhood uh and then one day i think i just you know said, popped up well eric's eric's talking about comic books and then next thing you know a few years later uh, here we are and, yeah. and you've started your own comic book company for real after i think a number of people just said well why don't you why don't you just start yeah. your own thing and you're one of those people that i guess just accepted the challenge so um you know we've discussed a little bit of your comic book fanhood before and, and how that started you can maybe recap that a little bit just for people that don't know you that well yet but I do want to also get into, since we're talking about indie media today, uh, maybe you can also get into what your first, first exposure to indie comics was. When was the first time you got into something that was outside the the Marvel DC realm? Yeah. Uh, so as I say all the time, you know, my introduction to um, like the comic book realm was by way of my mother uh, introducing me to Flash. Flash was just a character that I kind of gravitated towards, especially because of his, his speed. Right. Wally was my Flash growing up. But 
I'm a track and field athlete, had been a, you know, I did this all the way through the collegiate level. So, you know, it resonated with me. Obviously, there was this guy character that was running around like really, really fast and he was choosing to do good sort of uh, uh, with that. Uh, but I also attribute definitely the growing love for for comic books, just considering the era that I grew up in. And you had just such a solid representation of comic book of comic books and non-comic book mediums, right? So like TV and stuff, Batman, the animated series, X-Men, the animated series, stuff like that. Um, so it was very easy to gravitate towards comic books, right? And, um, you know, as far as like the, the independent space, again, also coming through that era, you learned about the splash that um, that image was making kind of uh, during that that period of time as well. And, you know, I learned to appreciate that a lot more, especially what Todd McFarlane was doing, um, more specifically, maybe with his toys. But, you know, just this kind of, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. And, you know, now we're at this point to where everybody is kind of crazy. Now everybody goes to Todd for like the, the toys now, including the bigger, bigger company. So I respect that and, and, and that sort of uh, approach. But, you know, I've been doing in, in independent like entertainment stuff, as you know, for a while, right? I've been doing this. That, that that was kind of my introduction to doing things outside of what people have established as the uh, proper channels and standards. So what what I did was take a lot of what I learned from the music industry, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about here soon enough, and apply that right to to sort of the Ripperverse because there, for a lot of that stuff, it was a direct crossover. Yeah, I do want to get into a little bit of how you went about the sort of nuts and bolts of starting this comp book company. So maybe before we dive into that, you can also just recap what it was you were seeing. I'm sure a lot of people that follow streams like this are going to have some similar thoughts quite possibly, but what was the kind of stuff that you were seeing and criticizing in the mainstream comic book realm that made you not just sit on the sidelines and eventually sort of get called into action in, in a sense to start your own comic book company and, and show like, this is what I want to see. This is the kind of stuff I want to provide out there to do something different. Yeah. I mean, it. Looking, I would say, well, this popped off probably within the 2010s, right, where it got amplified, middle of 2010s. And you started to see the direction that the general comic book industry was going. And there were two major issues that started to happen during the during those 2000s or excuse me, 2010s, especially on the latter half of it. And yes, you had this this political and social aspect that seemed to sort of plague it, where people were unable to separate what they individually believed from um the the comics it is that they were they were making um so they were using more of these characters as a vehicle right for for beating their audience over the head and it never really made for for solid entertainment um and often these were done uh to characters that everybody already knew about and they were already established i think that's the biggest part of it that frustrated a lot of a, a lot of people so again it was just a vehicle and the other thing that i would point to that I think it slept on a lot. My frustration and people that watch my videos know my biggest frustration, arguably, was the, the the timeline issues and lack of continuity aspects. Right. That everything felt like a free fall. And to be fair, it kind of kind of was. There was no seemed to be no cohesiveness in the releases if it wasn't part of an event. Right. A direct event event. And, you know, you get 16 Spider-Man titles that are being dropped at the same time. And, you know, this version of Peter Parker is... I'm part to blame for buying all 14 yeah. you know, a Maximum Carnage in, like, 1994. So, I mean... You get I, it. It could be part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Most, uh, <laughs> I will admit to that because I, for sure, it was uh, a consumer of uh, all of that stuff, for sure. But it was a growing frustration, especially uh as a, just a reader and i can only imagine like a newbie trying to get into especially with the big two uh just say they watched the movie you know we had this apex like that marvel that was the marvel cinematic universe at one time and you can imagine going to watch one of these characters on the big screen and then someone asked okay man i i, I love this movie um i'm a normie uh i want to get into this and i want to start reading uh this comic book character that i just saw on film and then you have to get a diagram or rather a whiteboard that'll take up this whole entire room and try to spell this out where they could start. Right. There's 17 number one. So you can't start there. This version of Spider-Man is different from that one. Like you'd have to go through all of these. And I always had a frustration with that. So, you know, looking at those big major problems that I admit that I, you know, would gripe about on YouTube all the damn time. 
I figured at one point, you know, hey, maybe uh, it's time for me to put my money where my mouth is and, and, and give this thing a shot uh, to be a part of the solution more than just uh, simply griping uh, about it because there's enough of that going around. And look, uh, you know me from even the doing the stuff that, which we will be returning very soon with backwards, like I feel like God put me on this earth to create, right? It's one thing to do commentary stuff. That's fun. Don't get me wrong. I can do that. Um, but I've seen the most success and seem to have um, resonated with the most people when I'm actually getting out there and creating um, as opposed to just general commentary stuff. I am just curious on that now, just taking back to, to backwards and how you got involved in the independent music scene. Was there a similar, obviously there's differences. There's no continuity issues maybe in the music yeah, 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 yeah. Was there a similar sort of sense of like, I'm just not getting something new. I'm not getting something that can suck, suck, suck me in. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why backwards was, was formed. You know, I left my old band and then we kind of uh, got to this point where we had this, um, this, um, uh, you know, I was starting to get like a little mundane with some of the metalcore stuff. And I figured, hey, we could come on the scene. And uh, definitely the the hive mind and the political aspect was something that always frustrated me. So I was like, you know what? Uh, everybody's kind of I love my last band. People are, of course, wanting some new music. So why don't we have this approach? We're going to be unapologetically who it is that we are. Uh, more importantly, we're going to be very, very good and undeniable. Uh, undeniably good. So we built the band and I built it kind of similar to what we did with the comic books where, you know, surrounding yourself with people that know what it is that they're doing. Great, great instrumentalists, all of these guys. Uh, and then, yeah, we kind of splashed on the scene. So it's so similar uh, where you identify. And I guess a lot, maybe that does come from some of how we view economics is identifying issues, right. And uh, markets and, and, and where, where you kind of fit in that so it's very similar in that regard well i i'm kind of curious when you did first break into the music industry you posted a, a video i think it was maybe yesterday when you were talking about how when you do first start to work on a project you will get you know some kind of encouraging but then you'll get to a certain level people start to toss out all the objections well are you sure you should do this are you sure you should do that and you gave some examples of uh when you're starting the ripiverse like starting your own website doing your own distribution did you get something similar had you seen this before i guess in the music industry? yes did absolutely you well? i'm going you bring up a, a great point because i remember when we started backwards and we were focusing on a lot of the music this was before now everybody almost focus so, focuses so much on like the social media aspect of, of the music, right? It's so geared towards that. When we were first starting, that was not the case. And we went in, it was two things that we did that people were trying to talk us off the ledge for doing. Number one was uh, was being, you know, an independent, right? We only work with like, uh, with Stay Sick for like distribution stuff, but everything else was was all us, right? We owned our own publishing. Everything that we did was was all us. And so obviously there were people that would say just because we will be and we kind of were in some cases, but we were able to overcome that iced out for lack of better terms in terms of being like prioritized uh, for being on like a tour or something like that, because you're not tied to one of these these labels. Um, so and in fact, you're actively, you know, kind of banging against that. So you had that part of it. But the other part was just how we focus so much instead of like going on the road and touring in front of five people every night that didn't know who we were just for the sake of doing it my which is why i left fire from the gods in the first place when i started backwards i was like okay let's this social media thing is starting to become a thing like let's focus on on um on providing like these really really good polished up music videos and use that as a means to get people to know who it is that we are. Uh, and there were people just saying that that's just not how the industry has ever worked. You don't do that. If you want to get known, you got to go, go, go on these tours. Perform that's not, them. that's not in the book we have yeah. here. So yeah, exactly. I don't think you can do it, man. Not the standard. Right. And it crossed over and did the same thing in comics. So uh, it's a good point that you bring that up because yeah, there was uh there's a lot of that talking you off the ledge and say you put the car, you need to be realistic. You're putting the cart before the whole horse. And uh, it's really just more or less being afraid of uh, innovation. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to bring that up because I, 
Yeah, we're talking about probably mostly indie comics here today, but I really think the lessons, the larger the conversation is really about indie media. And I think the lessons that you learn, that you did learn from backwards, I'm sure have helped you so much in the creation of the Ripperverse. And I think no matter what your project is, what your idea is, it doesn't matter, podcast, blog, uh, whatever it is, you can learn from these these same lessons because they're going to apply over and over and over to the same situations. That's a fact, man. The, uh, again, I, I credit a lot of what I know about business, especially with my experience in the music industry um so to your point especially like in uh and trying to be kind of forward thinking and and uh being somewhat innovative and doing what works for you right uh is something that will cross over into other aspects as well film it doesn't matter if you're doing stuff independently it's going to come with its set of um uh, challenges for sure um but there's a lot a, a lot to learn um and again i think if you know, it's kind of crazy to envision a world that, let's say, backwards didn't exist. Maybe the Ripperverse doesn't. You know what I mean? Now that I'm thinking about it, because I wouldn't have learned those lessons that that I did in doing things independently. And, yeah, I've been doing things independently for a better part, almost two decades. But uh, in, in the same respects, like that was the first like big splash that that I had. You know, we're talking chart and billboard thing. This is that backwards was massive. Right. And that was the most success that I had anything, any time up, obviously uh, up until the Ripperverse, as far as something that I've done creatively. So, but I learned a lot of stuff along the way and, and uh, applied what worked that I thought would cross over to the Ripperverse for sure. How long was that idea for the Ripperverse sort of brewing in the back of your mind as you were doing for Canon's sake, as you're doing this commentary? When did it get to the point where, you know, whatever that brewing turned into, you know, a full pot, I guess you could say. When did it when did you hear that moment? You said, all right, I'm, I'm actually going to do this. I'm not just going to sort of let it simmer in the back of my mind. So I think that a lot of people have aspirations, like um, especially if you're a comic guy to do something regarding comics, like maybe it's not writer maybe it's an artist maybe it's uh maybe it is a writer maybe it's just working in it as an editor or promoter or whatever it may be working in comics i think is a is a desire that a lot of us have and i've i've always had that for sure now it became more realistic in looking at the trajectory um uh, uh, or the downward turn let's say uh, in terms of morale that people had for just the comic book industry as a whole. So there's, there was this growing demand, right? That was happening during this during this period of time. And of course I'm doing for canon's sake, literally every day. And uh, we're talking about what's going on in the comic book industry. And I'm looking at all these issues and, you know, for canon's sake was massive for me. That was a, an incredibly lucrative show. And between that and the other things that I've been doing and saving money along the way, I was like, you know what? Uh, I'm probably at a time in history that will never, ever be repeated where you have people that otherwise would not give this stuff the time of day would would be considering looking to something alternative because the mainstream thing or the standard thing has 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 suffered uh, in, in terms of its, its its reception. So what I did was say after having definitely conversations with people in our in our sphere, and I'm like, maybe I should just do this like. Like who says I can I can't right I know business a lot of people <laughs> well that's true to be fair a lot of people said I can't but you know look th looking at that more internally it's like I, I got the know how um, I've been a comic book lifer um, I understand business maybe this is something it is that 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 I should just just give it a shot and uh, what's the worst that can happen and I guess the worst that could happen was that I lose a crazy amount of money considering how much of my savings I dipped in to make this thing happen because this is entirely self funded. But um, I guess that's entrepreneurship, right? It's uh, it's risk. That's, that's, that's essentially what it is. So it was brewing there for a while. And then up until the release, you know, I kind of publicly, I remember, I can't remember if it was a stream, maybe it was for Kenneth's sake, where, and I know, I know myself, right? I floated it out there to the audience, <laughs> right? And so when I do that, that's a commitment as far as I'm concerned, right? And it's like, well, now that I've done that, I have to actually start considering this and, and and laying the foundation. And that's what we did. So we did we laid that foundation for probably a year and some change with the creative stuff, the legal stuff that you unfortunately have to deal with everything. Uh, and I, I will still say, did I expect to make almost four million dollars? No. That that was not that was not a plan, right? When we set our our, our pre-order campaign goal, uh, that was me saying, you know, I spent a lot of money. 
uh, if I'm okay with like somewhat breaking even, right? Being in the in, on the first project because I, I just I, I could go up from there. So it just exploded, and I didn't anticipate that it would do what it did. Um, and my life quite literally changed in 30 hours after that thing hit a million dollars in the first day. Well, you mentioned there too that this was the initial launch of the Ripperverse was entirely self-funded, and there's there's a lot of chatter there online. <laughs> I'm not sure if you ever spend time on the internet. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A little about- something. You know, people talk about different ways. I mean, this guy goes back to the original conversation, different ways people fund books, people start books, people should have their various deals, people should charge this and that. And and I think what part of what you're showing here is that like, yeah, there are ways that people have done things and ways that people do do things, but these are not laws. These are not set in stone and you can violate them. And yeah, you could fail by doing so. Uh, you could fail by doing it your own way, certainly by choosing to self-fund from the get-go as opposed to say a Kickstarter or a crowdfund. Right, right. I mean, the, the risk is all on you. So why did you decide to do that? Because you've seen a lot of people, especially with your following. I don't think there's any doubt you could have gotten a pretty large Kickstarter or, or crowdfunding oh, sure. going. So why did you just choose just to say, I'm putting this all, this is all on me? So it was more so uh, like this is how I analyze things. So before I jump into a venture, the way that I I will sit myself down and I'll be like, okay, let's think this thing through. And everything, especially with something new that I that I maybe have not done in in this capacity, I will I have to justify it, right? So I will look at what is what other people are doing, and I have to make it make sense. Like I have to. And if I can't make it make sense, I won't do it. So that's really what ended up happening. It's like, okay, well, I see that everybody's doing it this way. Sure, you can go the traditional route. I can go through Diamond and do X, Y, and Z. And yeah, I can do that. Um, or I can do the, I can do the crowdfunding thing as it is that you mentioned. But I was looking at the crowdfunding thing. Number one, I didn't I didn't have to do it right. As in, like I didn't like I didn't need the funds to at least start it up. Um, and on the other hand, it was like the I couldn't justify the platform fees, right? It was like I'm looking at like the Indiegogo's, I'm looking at the Kickstarters, and I'm I'm like, I can't get these guys five. This is insane. I I can't I can't justify giving them that because if it does do semi decent, whatever I was gonna give them, I could have spent way less building my own website on my own service and not have to deal with the shenanigans that may end up coming. Right. It's and before, funny that everyone wants to everyone to be independent and go to these platforms, but don't forget these platforms are corporations too. And so, I mean, you're not that independent, no, it's, more, it's, it's, more independent, but that, that's true. Yeah. You, you maybe it's, it, that's really what it is, right? It's like a scale almost on what more so independence uh, is. And yeah, I went to the more extreme thing and look, what I do probably doesn't make sense for a lot of people. I believe like things like crowdfunding lowered the barrier of entry, which is why it's been a net positive for uh, creatives because they can go directly to maybe the people that are going to back them and, and, and do something awesome. And maybe they didn't have the funds right to, to, to make something like that happen. That's what makes that such a such a uh, advantageous thing to utilize. But for people like myself that at least have the startup capital um, and the following and all that, it just ma- it doesn't make a lot of sense for me um, to do that. I also can speed up the process in terms of the creative stuff. So it's like, you know, we're, we're striking while the iron is hot, right? I'm not having to like, it's not an actual crowdfund, which, you know, for a crowdfund, you need to, you're trying to get the funds to, 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 to finish this project. Whereas the mines, I didn't, ha- I didn't need to do that. So I could strike while the iron is hot, hot, hot. We got this hype building up and I could get this stuff out the door uh, relatively quickly. That made sense for me. Probably doesn't make sense for 99% uh, of people, though there are people that it, it probably makes a little, little more sense for. So to your point, Mark, uh, you, you bring up like these things are not laws. And I think People to your to your other point need to understand what independence is. It's not about simply mimicking what everybody else is doing. Uh, it's not uh, simply doing everything as uh, like that goes to, with the standards. It's more finding what makes sense for yourself, right? And then trying to take advantage of that. And yes, some people are going to succeed. Others go- are going to fail. That's inevitable. That's business. Welcome to it, right? Um, so it's about trying to carve out your niche and do what makes sense for you. And when I couldn't justify spit giving like these people this money, because I was just looking at, I was just making the dollars make sense. I'm like, well, like you can imagine like 5% of, of, of almost $4 million, like 
it don't cost anything near that to maintain servers and build my own website, right? It, it, it just um and again i get to do this for campaign after campaign after campaign uh in our just general store that it is that we have so it just it just made sense for myself uh but i'm under no impression that everybody can and even should mimic everything to a t no the point is is maybe there is something that i did that you can implement and go for it if it makes sense for you uh but trying to build that sort of unique business model is i think what people that are trying to be independent should be more so considering. And I think even aside from the money, obviously having the money to start this up, huge help. But even aside from the money, the reason you would have done just as well in terms of the bringing in funds, probably if you did do a Kickstarter or a crowdfund of some kind is because you had already built up the platform. You had yeah. already built up yeah. your own brand. And I think that's something that I, I like to really emphasize today here as well is the importance of whatever you're doing. It doesn't really matter even what it is. Like I said, in the end, um, it's it's important to kind of do more than just that thing. I mean, hyper focus on that thing, but you need to be known as a person. There's a you know, if you were just some guy who just happened to have few hundred thousand dollars to start a comic book company and just made a post one day that nobody saw because you had no following exactly it wouldn't go anywhere so maybe you can talk a little bit more about just the greater importance of building out a brand maybe even before you even think about the actual project you're trying to put out there whether it's for example i mean in this case you were doing commentary in the comic book realm so you built up credibility within that specific realm so i wouldn't say you know go do a podcast about rowboating if you want to make comics but get in the same area but you don't necessarily need to you know your first post probably shouldn't be your crowdfunding for your your book. I agree a hundred percent. And like, I think that people lose sight of that that aspect of it. That that's that's a reality. But even more so, looking at it from the general customer stance. Like we started this conversation off talking about you know people kind of detaching themselves from what the mainstream was doing. And I think this is where like the future of media is kind of going, where people they want to know like um uh like who the creators are. And can you blame them because they've been burned in the past, right? Um, so people are focusing a lot more on that than they had been uh, in, in like the, the old days. They want to know. And that's a benefit. That's the way that I see it. Well, when you're authentic, it, it is benefit when you get to be yourself because I get to turn on the camera, talk about whatever it is that I want. Uh, which is awesome, but these people are and you didn't just come from a meeting with the board about the new company rules, right. and things you're not supposed to talk about, and all of that stuff that I'm sure these writers and whatnot get to some extent. Yeah, so you're getting the real thing, like you're getting the authentic thing, um, and I think people are gravitating towards that uh, with the creators. It is that they they are supporting, but yeah, I I built this following. Um, I'm man, I've been on YouTube longer than most people's uh, favorite YouTubers. Let's say that I was a literal teenager when I when I first started my YouTube channel. And yeah, it's kind of a, it had its adjustments. You know, it started within like the kind of hip hop scene. Uh, and then it kind of morphed into the, doing the metal stuff. And is the that the cover. same channel that the yes, Young Room Five Nine, the same exact channel? Uh, when I was 16, 17 years old, doing those videos, right? So and, that channel's been a wild ride. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been a roller coaster, definitely for those that have been around for uh, for uh, like like a really long time. So you saw the you saw the metal stuff, vocal covers and stuff that I used to do. Um, and people saw like some of the commentary starting like the early 2010s, right? That was something that I really started started to do. Um, and, and yeah, it, it, not everything landed with every audience, but I built that and I built that trust, that rapport with the audience because I was delivering on everything that I said that I was going to do when I did something creatively. So when, when I when I was in fire, they were going to get the best best uh, version of me. When I started backwards, they were going to get the best version of me. We were going to deliver. We were going to take it serious. We were going to try to be professional about everything it is that we did. And we and that's the approach that we had going into the Ripperverse. So, yeah, building that following is is very key. And it's not about like like especially I think where some people get this thing wrong, especially uh, aspiring newer creators, is that they 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 worry so much about trying to get someone else's audience. Right. And it's like, hey, if someone can put me on, that's all I need. And that was never my approach here at, at like on my channel or with just my general following. It was, yeah, I've taken advantage of every opportunity it is that I have, but it was never one of those things where number one, I felt obligated or tried to rely on it because I knew that was a mistake. I wanted people to to be into me for me, right? That's ultimately what it is that I wanted, and that that required years of 
grinding and, and, and again building that rapport with the audience to the point to where yeah now i can do a comic book and people can at least gravitate towards it and initially that's important right you, you, to get those eyes that i needed initially because people trusted me now keeping them around is a is a different animal i think i saw them too kind of legitimate legitimized us obviously and it, it it showed that this wasn't just like a get rich quick scheme or a one-off kind of situation so you gotta still make product that's good enough for people to want to stick around for sure but you know you do yourself a lot of justice by just building an audience and building an audience that wants to rock with you for you be authentic I mean, what one cool thing that I saw when you first launched the Riververse is I saw people I know in the political realm that kind of we probably mutual friends from there that would post that I just I never even bought a comic in my life. I just yep. bought this to a support lot of er Eric July. So you were bringing in now. Who knows? Maybe that's the only comic they ever buy. I have no idea. It's still cool. But maybe they read a comic. They're like, hey, comics are comics are cool like you know you never know if just one of those people becomes a new comic fan like i think that's the coolest thing because we all benefit when there's more comic book Agreed. fans when there's more of us to argue with each other on x or whatever it may be when there's more of us the whole the whole thing is more interesting i think either way and it's funny you mentioned that too like the authenticity i, I was thinking this works kind of both ways you know you, you've built up a reputation as having authenticity and people get to know the real you uh in whatever platform it may be but i also feel like we've uh we've gotten to know some of our our beloved creators a little too well in the yeah. past in I the think best, that's how uh, people you know, burn too, for sure. I, well, the social I think, media age. I, I think the social media age kind of, I don't know, you, what you can argue what came first, the chicken or the egg or, or, or what have you, but I agree with you to that point. I think that's what happened, though. Like, definitely in that mid-2010s, I don't know, something happened in 2016 and everybody went crazy, right? Uh, and people started to tell on themselves a lot more, which then the audience started to respond accordingly is what happened. So now they're looking at it like, look, I don't need to agree with every single thing, thing that a creator does. I just don't want them to hate me, right? I just don't want them to despise me. And I think that's a relatively realistic uh, kind of expectation for some people, right? So yeah, to your point, uh, there was a once upon a time where none of this crap mattered, nobody cared um about it and now things have changed and i think it is the social media age which i'd argue that that worked to my benefit because i was already and i didn't it's not like i planned it that way i didn't know that was going to be the case but me being authentic like that helped me out a lot that helped me out a lot as that you started to see that shift especially with the mainstream and people at least knew they were they knew i mean what you see what you get you know, there's no no high sign. I'm the same guy that I've been. You've known me probably definitely in this space because we come from that up from the other space. You know me as long as probably all of these cats. And I'm the same guy that I was uh, back back then. Just now it's um, I have a little bit of a different different, maybe more educated perspective, especially with like business and stuff and maybe even navigating sort of the, sort of the, po the, the political realm uh, as well. But I've always been me. So what you, what you see is what you get. And I think th th those guys making those fundamental mistakes and they lost their mystique completely. Now people are like, well, I'm going to at least if, if this is going to be the new new world that we're living in, I'd rather give my money to someone that doesn't despise me. I think that is a, a huge part of it. I mean, especially because, I mean, besides the, the product itself deteriorating in many ways, as we discussed, I mean, when some of these people are, are I mean, fuck, I'll use an example. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
but I don't care. Uh, like, I mean, when Tom King threw Jai Lee under the bus Man, and that, that crazy, tweet, I mean, I, I, I have not been able to pick up a, a Tom King comic yet. And not, I mean, I, I, I like some of his work, some of it, not so much, but I just won't do it now. And I mean, that's just cause that, that just put, put an idea of who he is in my mind. So maybe he was having a bad day. I don't know. Maybe he's a nice guy. I have no idea, <laughs> but he certainly didn't come across as one. So the, the more of that gets unveiled, it can work both ways. If people like the authentic version of yourself, that is going, that is really what's going to make true fans for, for you for Agreed. your brand which is what's going to allow you to whatever it may be launch launch that book uh launch that podcast uh what have you yeah no agreed like that's the that's the approach it can i mean as long as you aren't like a piece of crap right like yeah it can work to your benefit then you got to go work for a big company yeah then then that's really the only <laughs> way the only i mean definitely if you're going to do something that's going to come with this share of losses, right? Those are the only people that can afford to absorb it uh, if you do that stupid stuff. So yeah, for, for us, you know, I, 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 look, I understand that I'm rough around the edges. There's no secret. I've been this way for a very long time, but at minimum, you know that you're getting the real me. And for the people that value that, um, uh, that's been, a, again, a, my, my greatest asset is that it's not about, you know, people agreeing with me on everything we people talk about this stuff with like the Ripperverse, like and i think people get it twisted as what what why i started what it was that i started um it's like if i if i wanted to create this like hot mind anarcho-capitalism i think there would only be myself and alex who's in backwards right uh and and, and dude she, i've been to libertarian conventions i don't think that's what you want yeah exactly <laughs> right right so there there wouldn't be a whole lot of room for growth uh and my company wouldn't even exist if that was all that we 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 considered uh, with our perspective, the first time you got to fill out a legal form, and they're like, "No, yeah. man, ANCAP." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they don't care. Trust me, they don't care. Your principles uh, will not save you. Um, if people people saw what I had to go through with the with the uh, uh, property, the IP stuff. So principles can't save you from getting sued. That's for fucking sure. Yeah, they just uh, hand them the Steve the Stephen Kinsella book. They're like, no, 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 this is uh, this is invalid. Yeah, actually, yeah, exactly. They, they don't care. Uh, but you know, just considering my aspirations, uh, you know, I'm I'm starting something where people largely leave that stuff at the door, right? I mean, let's. I mean, can you see the irony in me? Uh, uh, and based on characters that I created, the second property that we came out with, the non-ISON property, are superhero cops. And uh, you know my position. Uh, I'm not the not the not the greatest of the fans uh, of them, but that was our second property, which shows that uh, we we leave a lot of that stuff at the door, so people can be themselves. The individuals, the creatives, can be themselves, and they can have whatever positions. Just we are working for a common goal to grow this thing. And the audience is picking up on that. And I think that's why, why it popped off the way that it did. Well, I want to dig into a little bit more how you did go about growing this thing. Cause it started off with ISOM. I'm, I'm curious, like, were you kind of sitting back? Obviously I'm sure you had ideas for other books and that are characters, but were you sort of sitting back and waiting to see what happened with ISOM or maybe even with ISOM too, a little bit to see like, can I keep this going? Can I expand this out? Or how how much of that was already going on in the background? I mean, I assume you didn't reach out to Chuck Dixon, you know, two no, weeks no, before no, Alpha not, came out. That was that was long <laughs> before, uh, uh, like long after, uh, like ISOM had dropped. So this is what I did. I went into it. I wanted to take it serious. I built a universe Bible where I did create these other characters. You had like Alpha Core, you had Yaira, you had uh, uh, some of these other ones that I created. Um, and I wrote who, who, who they were, personality stuff, stuff that hasn't even re been revealed largely for uh, most of these characters. And I built this again, what is a universe Bible? For two reasons, for myself, make sure and I'm stick, sticking to this continuity element as well, but also any event that this thing blew up, I needed to get other people to, uh, to write some of this stuff. And I had an entry that I could just send them and say, everything that you need to know about this character is right there. Um, and of course we'd meet and do, do whatever else we need to do, but at least you understand fundamentally who these characters are. So while I went into it with the expectation and I took it seriously as if it was going to be around, everything still got fast tracked after ISOM blew up the way that it did within the first 30 hours. Right? So once that happened, everything changed, everything got accelerated. Uh, I'm reaching out to people from from a warehouse team trying to grow that people I'm trying to grow uh, elsewhere. So I'm doing everything it is that I that I can to just just try to catch up to my demand right to the demand of the of the actual uh, uh, company. But, yeah, I didn't think that it would blow up the way that it did. But I think we were able to 
maintain some level of efficiency. Uh, of course, there were improvements to be made, but I think we were able to roll with the punches because at least foundationally, I went into it like, look, I, I want to. I'm playing a long game here. This isn't just 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 a short short term game thing, but things still change. You can plan out as much as you want, but it's hard to conceptualize making four million dollars and trying to again strike while the iron is hot or almost four million dollars. So uh, it was different. It was it was different, man. I wonder if Marvel or, or DC Comics, maybe DC is even even better example, have anything resembling a coherent universe Bible at, at, at this stage <laughs> in the game. Um, I've talked to some of these, uh, some of the professionals that we have here, like the Chucks. Uh, I talked to Soskis about that as well. And they, you know, with them have done things for both Marvel and DC. They're like, that's not a thing. Like They, they don't they, even give you a direction at all. No, it's like for the most part, it's like here. You got a general idea of what it is that they want you to do. And then you're writing a story based in, within those confines. But as far as like keeping up with these characters and what it is that they're doing, uh, if anything, they'll actively try. to. It's like the less you know, the better for them, uh, because it's more of a they're just trying to. I My theory is that for the big guys, at least right now, it's a loss leader at best. Right. That They're just putting stuff out just to try to promote other things outside of it. So and who to keep cares IP about? active. And, yeah, and whatnot. that's it. That, that, that's that's what, the way that I see it. Uh, so it was a new experience for them. Um, and it was a better one, um, at least according. I think there's a reason why you see is see they're as passionate as what it is. That they are. It's because of things like that. Well, we we actually care about the property. Uh, and it's uh, it's it's the benefit of having something and be here being here at from the ground up uh, or at the ground level, like when things first started. So, yeah, we're not 70 years removed uh, from from uh, the original creator. So that has a benefit. And, yeah, we, we try to use that uh, to to our advantage. I I very much analyzed the market and I wanted to make books that people like myself wanted to enjoy. So whether you were a longtime comic book lifer uh or you were a guy that just wanted to get in right um at least you know hey i like isom what do i start isom one is a great place to start to learn about that character um instead of like having 15 different titles uh and, and worrying about all of that stuff we, we take this stuff into consideration initially and i think it's worked uh it, it will work it may not show itself immediately though i think it has uh, it'll show itself even more us uh paying uh kind of attention to detail there I mean, having a, a, a universe that you can actually get into fresh and actually follow is such a, a, a appealing thing. At least it was to me as a teenager. That's why I got into Valiant Comics mm. when, they, when they first there started in the 90s, because I just love that there was like maybe four or five books and they all connected. You didn't need to read them all, but you right. could. And if you did, you felt like you really got the whole grand scope of the thing. There was just no way you couldn't even do that with just Spider-Man books, no. hardly, you know, or no. just Batman no. books, let alone a whole universe. Uh, so but I, what I am curious about is. You know, now you just had two isoms. Uh, you got Yaira coming. You had Alpha Core. It's it's pretty manageable and small now. All pretty much centered around Forest Park. But you keep this thing going five, ten years. How do you how are you going to be able to keep the Ripperverse accessible to new readers when you have a lot of already published content? Yeah, uh, I think that uh, you know one of our aspects, or if you read our um, you know code of ethics, right, that we have, and we talk about like you know we want that level of familiarity to be there. So we don't want to make this impossible. And sure, it will morph and 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 and, and be managed in different ways once more titles uh, come out. But I believe that us as the company, we set that tone there. So we have to be the ones to come in with up with creative ways for five, 10 years from now. Someone just found out about the Riververse and they want to get in. We need to make it as easy as realistically possible for them, it doesn't mean dumbing down the content. Then you start no. the ultimate Ripperverse, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah just part, yeah, the ultimate, the ultimate Ripperverse, right? New but teenage no, Isom. Yeah, it, it's about doing things that are creative. And we floated these ideas around, like, do we have not? I, you know, it's like it is a thin line, right? You don't want to hold the reader's hands and the audience's hands, but also you want to make it easier for them to keep up with. So we floated our ideas of having like talking about timeline stuff on our website so people have a go-to a reading order and we we floated those ideas um around but that's stuff that we're already taking into uh taking into consideration because i do think that that's going to be very port very important for us to um if we're going to be be around for a minute right we got to take this thing into consideration now because what we don't want to run into is 
having us not thought about that. And then we go 10, 15 years from now. And now we don't roll ourselves in a corner. And it's like we'd have no idea how to recover from this. We don't know what to do. Uh, we don't know how to make it easy for our audience. So, no, we consider that right now. Uh, we already are coming up with creative ways, um, even with like collection stuff that we in inevitably are going to do once we start announcing that making that easy for the audience to keep up with and having these um, these uh, uh, starting off points is, is going to be important. But like, you know, just not renumbering everything every time something that, that helps as well. Like uh, if someone wants to keep up with a title, so we won't be doing all, all of that. That's uh, I get it. It's appealing economically because, hey, most people are going to buy number ones. Uh, I'm playing a long game here and I want this thing to make sense. So I won't be like reboot nice some um, five times. Like I don't see us doing that. Yeah, I mean, you do. You mentioned the code of ethics there, and you do actually have certain sort of rules for the universe. Like, I don't know if time travel's banned, but you pretty much said we're not going to reset Basically. things with time travel and, and yeah. multiverses and stuff like that. Um, do, do, what if a writer came to you and you know you, you bring maybe Chuck Dixon in three years on his whatever new book? He's like, you know what, Eric, I gotta, I gotta tell you something. I got a time travel idea for you. Is it is it is it like that much of a box? I guess, or is it as long as this can make sense? You know, we can we can still sort of play around. I would say curious. for the time element. No, like for the I've time never seen of, Chuck do, Dixon do a time travel story, so maybe that's right. not the most realistic example. So, so for the time thing, for sure, it's one of those like it's just a rule. It's like everybody that comes here knows that we can't do that. But the cool thing about that is because generally, when those stories, the reason why they're doing that stuff is because they're trying to tell stories that just simply can't make sense for their current continuity. Mm -hmm. So, this is what I, I think the appealing thing about the Riververse is that, especially with it being so fresh is that we can tell stories in of different genres and we can tell those in different places. Like you just mentioned earlier, Flores Park. Flores Park is obviously not the only city in the world, right? So we can come up with another one. If it needs to make sense, or we can make it make sense for that. We don't need to get in the way of what's happening over there in Flores Park uh, or what's happening with ISOM. We don't have to get in the way of that. And I think that's the part that's so very important about what it is that we're doing. Um, and you have to consider that from the get go. So yeah, the time travel thing, I think, I think of that as more just a general, general rule for the Ripperverse. Uh, but also it's like, there, there's no real deterrent as well. If you are creative and you have a, uh, just an awesome idea, we just, maybe it doesn't make sense for that idea to exist in Flores Park because of what's already happened there. But that doesn't mean it can't happen altogether. So you have the idea that essentially if there's like a thirst for a different sort of content from the Ripperverse, instead of let's say, oh, well, reboot it, then you can, you have a, a, a whole earth, I suppose, uh, I yeah. guess, whatever, whatever it may be. Uh, if you want to do a horror you know, story, it can just take place somewhere else and yeah. be about other characters, but still take place within that same universe. Bingo. It could tie in down the road. Bingo. Or another planet for that, ma ma uh, uh, that matters. The same exact thing. Yes. that That's my approach to the creative stuff because yeah, I do think a big appeal of the Ripperverse can be that, you know, it, it, we do we do a lot of different things. And maybe there is a market for something that um, is not ISOM, right? Uh, you kind of got a bit of that stuff with, like, AlphaCore. You for sure are going to get it with Yaira, where it's a change of pace, right? AlphaCore is a police procedural. Especially, I think the most, I don't want to say off the wall, but Mike Barron's Gooding book, is unlike any of the other ones. Like it's a it, like just the nature of who Gooding is is diff is different. But there's room for it because we made it make sense for that. But if we're talking like completely flipping a switch, we want to do some more like I don't know space sci-fi stuff. Like we can do that. We can do that. We just got to make it make sense. So yeah, we can just tell those stories uh, in a different place with a different set of characters, and it can still exist within our universe and it not uh, conflicting with the times timeline of, of like of what's going on just generally speaking with the Ripperverse, and i think in order for that to especially make sense is we we can't we can't go immediately with these intergalactic uh, uh world-breaking events that just will impact everything no we keep things maybe a little more contained to those characters and where they're at uh like for example with isom and uh right outside of Floyd's park Maybe you can tell me a little bit about what it's like to sort of build out this larger creative team. You got a number of people that are sort of full time working on the universe oh, yeah. now. Um, how? What is your pitch to some of these creators, whether it's the Sasaka sisters or Mike Barron, to say other other than look, I, I have a check I can write you, but you know, to say, hey, come in here and work on my universe, work on my characters. What's the sort of sales pitch besides obviously the the salary negotiations or whatever? Yeah, obviously that's a that's a part of it, but I would argue that. 
you you're you're starting off with something that um is an, again new fresh and it'll still be new and fresh in five ten years i'd, I'd argue uh, at least comparison to like the, the the major players but you get some skin in the game right so i look at creativity like this it's not just a free-for-all it's there are confines 100 percent, right there are rules that must be followed and a creative person can tell a story that is within those confines and within those rules so for me it's it's um it's providing the best work environment for these people both economically and especially creative um so if you come over here with the ripperverse you're getting involved with creatives that actually have skin in the game go and don't take my word for anything go look at how the saskas talk about this project they've worked with the big guys they've done obviously stuff with within the hollywood realm go look at chuck chuck's done it literally at all right and you see how enthusiastic they talk about this stuff because we have actual creative meetings which i don't think these guys actually have uh, over there maybe they do and we just don't know about them but we will sit there and like talk about creative stuff like myself mike chuck saska and we'll sit down and have like creative meetings like okay where, where are we taking this thing next what's going on in the book it is that you're writing so that everybody's got like actual skin uh, in the game because their imprint is being left on this uh, on this universe. And you're dealing with other people, creatives that actually care about it. It's not like just a stepping stool to move on to the next thing. They actually care about what it is that they're doing. And that's just something that's very, very hard to replicate. And it also is something that we have a benefit of because, you know, we're kind of just getting this thing started and because we're setting those rules uh early on or that that set of expectation what what ends up uh becoming like uh what is like a the fabric part of fabric of what is the ripperverse um uh, it's just it's a great place to be if you're a creative if you ask me well eric i'm curious if you could maybe we'll talk a little bit more broadly about independent media but is there anything you can sort of preview that you maybe haven't hasn't been spread around I me mean, and i know we have yaira coming but can you give mm -hmm. us any hints about <laughs> things that are in the works i think i saw something mentioned that chuck might have another another non alpha yeah, project so chuck, can, what can you tease me with so chuck does all right let me say this chuck I, I i was i can't just say everything that he's doing but chuck is very much a part of like again the core creative team with the riververse so you saw alpha core there are three other projects completely unrelated to alpha core it is that he's working on and he's a machine he's a creative machine so you have that um and really i'd argue there's some stuff that we're Rip reverse studios that i think some people are gonna want to look out for um we, i want this to be now that i've been legitimized the company's been legitimized i want this to not just be just a publisher in the sense of you know, a comic here and there. I want this thing to be a legitimate media company. So that means our basis, our foundation is comics, and that will never change. But there are there's things in which we can adapt this thing, right? Um, outside of just a comic book that I believe is going to blow some people's minds. Let's just say that. So we're working on a lot and Chuck's very much, I think people need to understand Chuck did not treat this like he's just some contractor and he's moving on to the next thing. Hey, you want me to write a story? Pay me. I'm gone. I'm gone. Nah, man, you're, this is his, his presence is going to be felt forever. As long as this thing goes on, his presence is going to be felt. And um, I just want to say that I am blessed as a creative to have someone like that around um, to learn from. And um, it's always, always act as this kind of mentorship right because I'm, I'm a spring chicken in comparison to him uh so there's a lot of knowledge that i'm soaking in and i'm very much aware of that and i mean not a lot of people can say that hey man you're first starting out uh you know you, you got chuck dixon <laughs> to sit up there and, and soak game from like it's um that's that's a blessing man it's, that's huge i don't take that stuff for granted well i've never read a bad chuck dixon story and I, and I still haven't because I, I loved alvacore i thought it kicked ass uh just gonna sneak in a quick super chat here actually i don't know how to do it there it is there it is i can do it 
I know this is from Jonas J. Campbell. He said, I know self inserts are out of the question, but he gives you permission to be inserted into the. I got you. So I just want you shout out, man. I love chatting with uh, Jonas, man. Shout out. Cool. Um, So, you know, one thing I want to ask, you know, I want to apply this to other people that might be thinking about whether it's creating comics. Maybe we can use that as the example, but. You know, I think we're seeing such a big trend here and we're, we're talking about comics today because that's sort of the realm we're in, but whether it's music, it's definitely there in film and movies. I mean, if you look at the, the mainstream movie industry, um, the box office, I mean, it barely even yeah, exists yeah. anymore. And, cool. and streaming, a lot of the streaming stuff has been a disaster too. So I wonder how much the, just the failure of what's going on at the top is going to lead to maybe more of a renaissance in other areas, whether it's comics or whether it's even music or whatnot, because on, on, on the one hand, you have corporations that seem to be taking control more and more of our, our beloved IP, oh, whether it's star Wars or what have you. And I think, I think a lot of us, I don't know, were maybe silly. I don't know if, how you felt about it at the time. I think when Disney first bought star Wars, I was kind of excited. I was like, Oh, they're going to make new movies. It's, oh yeah. It's, 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 you thought cool. it was going to take it to the next level. Absolutely. And now it's just, I mean, it's it's unwatchable i mean there's there's no nothing else to say uh even when i try to tune in just to see well maybe this isn't that bad i i realize i'm i find myself talking myself into it like yeah at least it kind of feels like star wars so i wonder if all this this grasping at all the ip from major corporations and combined with the just lack of desire to actually put creatives on it that care about the ip mm. and that that love the ip and that just that just seems to shine through i wonder if that actually does continue in those other genres to and the other end, create the inspiration for more independent media to spring up. See, this is what I believe. I think that we're not there yet, but I do believe we are at the brink and it'll be up to all the individuals involved, creators. I think we're at the brink right there, maybe of a creative, complete creative uh, renaissance, right? And this is why I... If I can offer any advice to people that are watching this to have aspirations to be a creative man, do not blow this opportunity because it may not ever come again in your lifetime. Simultaneously, this window in time that we're currently in. That we're in where all the people with the money suck, right? Like the the guys that got all that and the barrier of entry has been lowered so much to where now it is feasible for people to do things that they could not in the past. What we did with the Ripperverse was impossible. Um, uh, it, like maybe 20 years ago, like this is just not a thing. So the technologies, I mean, how would you even have told people about it? That's what I'm I mean, saying. Right. It, it literally could not have happened. Right. Postcards to, yeah, I guess or... to a bunch of people that I knew, like it, it was impossible, right. To do what we did independently. But now you have the technology that we have available to us. The social media aspect has completely changed the game simultaneously while that's going down. You have the the again the guys that have the money that have control of your of these beloved properties, um, they, they they just suck. And what it's created is a demand, obviously that growing demand from the customer's perspective, where they're all viewing this and saying, "Man, like we will at least entertain something that maybe five years ago we would have never thought about it." I was all in on. I look at even myself five years ago, right with. Uh, you know, it was just Marvel DC. That was pretty much it. And now now you change. Right. So it's a window of opportunity that I don't want people to lose sight of. And I even look at the Ripperverse and the success it is that we've seen. I just unfortunately, there are people that consider it a threat to right? And they shouldn't like this thing is not a fixed pie. You need to understand what's at stake here, that there is a lot of eyes uh, and it. If you take advantage of it, you'd be surprised where this will take you. And I don't want people to squander this opportunity and allowing jealousy or envy or 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 just sheer laziness um, to get in the way of of taking advantage of this window of opportunity that you may never get in your lifetime. So I do believe to answer that question, we're on the brink of a creative renaissance, but it's not going to actually happen um, uh, creatively. Uh, unless the individuals within it decide to uh, take advantage of it. So, you know, the window can be there all you want. If you don't get through it, you don't get through it. Well, what would be your advice then to say, I don't know, an 18 year old kid doesn't need to be 18. You can be 65. Anybody could get the inspiration to, uh, to want to create and to, to feel that pull. But what would your be advice to, to someone be who sees this window of opportunity, but 
just doesn't know where to go. We've talked about a few things today, starting mm -hmm. your own project, building your brand. What would what would literally be step one? What would you say to someone who was like, Eric, I want to be like Ripa someday. <laughs> I yeah. want to start my own project, but I just don't know where to start. I, you know, I got these doodles I do. What would you actually say step one to do? I would say there's two things that you should do simultaneously. First of all, decide if this is something that you, you know, before I even get into that, decide if this is something that you actually want to do, right? Like you want to take this thing serious. And if you're going to take it serious, take it serious. Don't just be talking about it. Like, oh, I think I want to know, commit. And so once you commit, you need to be not only building your brand, as we talked about before, and by that, you don't need to be, and I get it. People want to live in this world and it's a fantasy world. Let's call it what it is, especially in today's world where it's like, I just want to wake up and create. Well, you need to go work for someone else that already got that stuff figured out. But if you are talking about you're going to do, you know, be the do this independent thing, you got to become more personable. So for me, what I'd advise is that just work on your brand. Could be as simple as starting a YouTube channel. It could be as simple as getting active on social media and letting people in on that creative stuff. It is that you are uh, you're trying to see manifest, right? And then understand what it is that you are trying to do, right? Because you need to see it through. I think the commitment aspect is why so many talented people don't ever get off the, off the ground because they look at, they're, they're too busy focused on the end game, completely disregarding all the work that it's going to take to get there. Right. They're thinking about issue 10 of something yeah. that they haven't started yet. They yeah. haven't even started. They haven't got this thing going. They have these best, best bright ideas, but they've not really done anything and committed to anything to really execute. So what I argue is that, look, while you're, while you're building your brand, a brand simultaneously, you, you, you've committed, right? So start beating on your craft. Whatever that is, start beating, beating the hell out of it on, on your craft. And that's what you need to do. But I, I do believe if definitely if you're nobody knows who it is that you are, you got to start somewhere and you got to start building your brand. But also get just get so undeniably good at what it is that you're trying to do, because everybody can learn uh, that it is professional and it is presentable. I see I saw this all the time with music where you get these crazy musicians. Right. And then they 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 cut, you know, uh, let's say they're they're master. Right. They go record and it sounds like crap. Right. Because it's like they didn't really take that element of it serious. They just thought, hey, I'm, I'm talented and that's it. But the audience picks up on that. That's the problem. And they are more inclined to support someone that is they can see they can visualize it is taking this thing seriously, man. Uh, it's infectious. It's infectious. When they see that you're enthusiastic about it, they see you taking it serious. They'll take it serious. They'll get enthusiastic about it. So. Uh, that's what I would say to uh, recommend it. You got to commit to it and to commit is going to require a lot of work. I say this all the time. Yes, I have made a lot of money with the Riververse. I have also worked harder than I ever have in my entire life working for the Riververse. Long nights, uh, you know, that's just a lot of hours. That's the, that's the realistic thing that you're going to have to deal with and you need to be prepared for it. It's not going to be handed to you by any means. And add to those hours, I mean, at a minimum, every minute you put into, for canon's sake, every minute you put into commentary, and you could really say everything before that, because it, it all really is a part of the bigger picture, as I think we've uh, we've pretty much True. laid Good out point. here today. Eric, it's been awesome catching up with you, man, and uh, I'm really excited to see your success. Uh, I think it's so cool to see someone spring out of the doldrums of the libertarian <laughs> libertarian squabbling and achieve, achieve some real success. And like I said, it's been so cool to see so many people I know that we both know, yeah. uh, you know, just, just getting into comics. That's and fun. Man. Again, maybe it's the only one they read. Maybe they read two. Maybe they read three. Maybe their kid sees it on the table and they get into comics. And I just think that's just so cool. That's what um, it needs. That's what yeah. we've not been able to, uh, you know, convert people into like these, these sort of new new viewers, uh, new readers. And I think that's what the part of the Riververse was able to do. So I'm, I'm right with you 100. percent And yeah, I, I do love how this thing kind of has come full circle. Like you're doing stuff with bounding and everything. Even though you know you and I, we go we go way back, and I, I know you from just something that was completely unrelated to this. It's, it's, it's really cool to see, man. Very much so, man. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you just do the the good old roundup of everything you got going on? Um, and of course, I know we got MegaCon this weekend. I might try to make it over. We'll Ooh, see. Ooh, I, I love that. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, feel free to let everybody know about everything. Yeah, so Ripperverse.com is the place that you want to be. It's Ripperverse or the Ripperverse on all forms of social media. We have three books out, Isom 1, Isom 2, which I, of course, wrote. But the great Chuck Dixon, as well as drawn by Joe Bennett, a super cop sort of team called Alpha Core. Uh, you can read all the details on the story. 
Um, see some of the the interiors on the campaign page as well. That was the book that we just got that you know we just got a campaign finished for. So everything's you can go right to our store at reverse.com, order whatever book it is that you want. Those are pretty much getting shipped out the same uh exact day. Look, I'm blessed. I'm appreciative. I'm thankful for everybody, new fans, old fans, people that have been around, people that just got here. I'm so blessed to have y'all around. I'm I'm, I'm appreciative and, and, and I thank you guys because you man, you've made my dreams come true. But if you are interested in it, just go to riververse.com. Thanks a ton, Eric, and uh, best of luck with everything. Cider, take us out. Welcome, big ones, to the big books. Filled with color and action. Handsome heroes. Kryptonite green monsters. Beautiful ladies. We're about to take a behind-the-scene look at the incredible world of comic books. And if you don't like them, don't like Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.